everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And today is our July installment of Three Things. It is. What three things have you brought me today? Oh, good. I feel like we've been kind of crummy about remembering to say them at the top of the episode so people can (laughs) kind of plan where they want to be. Okay. So the first thing I brought for you is I want to talk about what are the items on your summer bucket list that it doesn't feel like summer until you've done them. Mm, Okay. I would like to talk about both of our definitions of success and how they have changed or stayed the same. And I would also like to talk a little podcast business. And I would like to talk through with you and also get listeners' opinions on bringing back author interviews to the podcast. Oh, yay. Well, I'm excited about all of those. What have you brought for us today? I've brought for you three things, obviously. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm really surprised there's three of them. Okay. So the first one is I want to know your grocery shopping habits. I want to know if you're a list person. I Mm want to know if you go on a certain day, all of that. A second thing, I want to know a thing or two that you have changed your mind about in your life, that you've felt one way and then you now feel completely different. Okay. I feel like this is such a popular question that I get every time I do an Instagram Q&A and I don't feel like I have an exciting answer, but I am going to think about it throughout the episode and I will. It can be food or drinks or ways of living. I don't know. Okay. And the third one is I want to know what you subscribe to. Like what are your subscriptions? What are your recurring Amazon subscriptions? If you have any not necessarily like Netflix or Hulu, but the things that automatically arrive at your home, if any. Interesting. <laughs> but first, let's do some highs and lows. So tell me about your high. My high is that I'm in Maine and I am just having a Maine old time. On Saturday, we did our lobster roll off that I had talked about in our last three things episode. And I came in second place, which I'm pretty happy with. Runner-up is good. There are five competitors. I made the lobster roll that I talked about on the podcast in the last episode. I basically took, I made jalapeno mayonnaise. Like I didn't make the mayonnaise myself, but I like mixed it and I like emulsified it with a stick blender, an immersion blender with like jalapeno and garlic and cilantro. And so I did the lobster meat with that. And then I also did a kind of Mexican style slaw with lime juice and more jalapeno and some sour cream and then did it on a brioche roll that we stopped in Portland at the Whole Foods especially to get. I feel pretty good about mine. I maybe regret that I held back a little on the spices because I I was worried of making it too strong and I think I could have gone more jalapeno. Oh, interesting. Because I was thinking maybe what pushed you out of first was it was too spicy. No, it was not too spicy. I could have gone more. My friend Molly won and it was an elote lobster roll. Like the lobster meat had elote mixed into it. That sounds good. It was very good. Uh, It was definitely like the most inventive one too. Was it more competitive than you were expecting? Like were feelings hurt? Is everyone still friends? Both yes and no. It was more competitive and less competitive than I thought because we were doing it in my friend's kitchen and she does have a big kitchen, but I thought we were going to be in each other's way and like fighting for utensils and we weren't. So Mm. that was very 
calm. Everyone had their own station. Everyone stayed at their station. Plenty of cooking utensils and the ones we needed to share. Like everyone wanted the pastry brush to brush butter on the rolls. And like everyone shared really well. There was a lot of trash talk and I have learned something about myself, which is that I am perhaps too competitive. And so I was maybe trash talking the most. And I definitely made a couple of enemies that day with my trash talk. I say, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. But um, they stayed in the kitchen and got angry at me. I do have one more question, which is how much money was spent on lobster, do you think? Like, was this like a feast? I bought the lobster itself. We bought three pounds of shelled picked lobster meat. And the lobster itself was $200. Okay. So. For for all of them or just yours? No, no, for all of them. Because everyone only made three lobster rolls. Oh, and then we cut them. That makes sense. Because you weren't going to eat five whole lobster rolls. So there were two judges, five competitors. And so we just, everyone made three rolls. Okay. Well, it sounds very fun. It looked very fun. It was so fun. And then we've been having main ventures, which is what I call it when we just pick random places we've never been to go explore. And so the day after the lobster roll off, we went to Glidden Point Oyster Farm and it's in Damariscotta out on the coast. And you get oysters. It's kind of like a a window where you would buy like ice cream or something, but you get oysters. And I did not realize this, but you have to shuck them yourself. So I learned how to shuck an oyster. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. We also went out to Booth Bay to explore there. So I've just been having so much fun being in Maine. And I don't know, I feel like partly because I'm on vacation, life just feels like really simple and easy here. And I'm working during the day, but then I don't know. It's just really relaxing to be up here. Yeah, it looks really nice. Tell me your high. My high is not very exciting, but I just had a really nice weekend that was a combination of like working on the house. We did a lot of yard work, which was very satisfying. I listened to Taylor Swift while pulling weeds. Thrilling. And then we went out to dinner, did some fun stuff. And then on Sunday, I haven't had a day like this in a while, but I started Sex in the City from the beginning. I just put it on the TV and let it play. Oh, the old ones, not the yeah, reboot. The old ones, which I've never really watched in its entirety. But I like kind of just let that play. And I did all the like Sunday chores. Like I made breakfast sandwiches for the week and I did the dishes and I kind of tidied everything. I did laundry. And then I'd like stop and watch a little bit of the show or like I even took like a little bit of a nap at one point. And it was just like just a nice balanced weekend. And I entered Monday feeling really good. So not very exciting, but I had I had a great time. Sorry, I'm watching out the window because Ruby, who is now again a mud monster because I locked her out of the house is chasing Molly's neighbor. Oh. Who's really nice, but she's like terrorizing him and she's covered in mud. And I'm like, what's going to (laughs) happen? Sounds fun. That sounds very nice. It was. It was very low key. What's your low? By the way, before I ask you, Jake always says that we do this the wrong way because you should always end with a high. (laughs) Which... But then I was like, then you're starting. Yeah, with... I don't want to open an episode by complaining. I know. I know. That's what I said. But he does this in his like team meeting. So he has very strong feelings. But anyway, what's your low? Agree to disagree, Jake. My low is that I'm being very harsh on myself with my second book. 
I have heard from many authors, both people I know in real life and then people I've listened to on podcasts, just how hard and how much of a mindfuck writing a second book is. And I'm finding that to be very true. And I am just being so mean to myself about it. And the pressure is all self-imposed. It's not as if I'm like flailing under a deadline that I'm about to not meet. I'm just like not meeting my own expectations, which might not be realistic to begin with. And so yesterday I basically stopped and I had to reread everything that I had so far just to like almost reassure myself it wasn't as bad as it felt in my head. And it's not, it's not done. It's not perfect. There's still things that need fixing. But when I walk away from it and like when I'm working on it day by day, it feels like it's a flaming pile of trash and it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm struggling with being really mean to myself about this. And I know that. Yeah. Well, at least you know, because you did say you were going to be nicer to yourself. Didn't you say you were going to put a sticky note? I have it. I have a sticky note telling myself to be nicer to myself. And I, I can remember it for a few weeks at a time. And then if I go too long without reading the whole thing, I build it up in my mind that it's terrible. Yeah. I definitely know that feeling, (laughs) but it's not. I can assure you it is not terrible. I know you know that now, but if you need someone else to tell you. Uh, and it's so hard because it's like, of course, like I think of what I would say if you were saying this to me. And of course, I would be like, it's not done. You have plenty of time. It doesn't need to be great right now. It'll get there with more drafts. And like, I know that. But I, for whatever reason, I'm just being so tough on myself. Yeah, I understand that. Sometimes it feels like there's no other way to be when writing. Like, I don't know if anyone is really in the like the drafting process as like light and airy as you're maybe supposed to be. What about you? What's your low? I don't really have a low, which is nice. Oh, good. <laughs> Level low list. Yeah, week. I mean, I'm I'm sure I, I'm sure I could come up with something, but it's been a pretty steady, decent, boring week, which I'm thankful for. I'm glad for you. Well, thanks. Let's take a quick ad break and then let's roll right into some things. In case you're looking for a new podcast to love, I want to tell you about one I think you're all really going to like. It's called A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica and is hosted by best friends and business partners, Claire Mazur and Erica Cerullo. They talk about everything from shopping and cooking to tougher topics like what to expect during menopause and deciding to have or not have children. It's the perfect mix of light and real. Like ours, their podcast has been around for years, and it can be intimidating to jump into a new podcast with a big back catalog. But I assure you, you can start anywhere. But if you need a recommendation of where to start, I was just listening the other day to their episode from June 19th called Creativity and Exercise Updates. And in it, they were talking about Erica right now is in the process of writing a YA book. And then they were both talking about their exercise routines and kind of just what their practices were like. And I really like... They go really into the weeds. Like one of the topics they were talking about was even just thinking about getting dressed for exercise. And I love these in the weeds conversations that they have. I was riveted by this episode, which was more or less about nothing. Like it was very mundane, but it was so voyeuristically interesting. I loved it. Oh, I love that. I'll have to listen to that one as someone who thinks oddly a lot about workout clothes, but (laughs) they recommended this sports bra that was very expensive, but like seemingly changed their lives. And I've been thinking about it for a week now. I'm going to have to look it up because 
in my mind, like if I had the perfect workout wardrobe, I would be at the gym every morning, no matter what. But anyway, we've heard from so many of you and I totally agree that our podcasts have a lot in common. I kind of think of them as like the slightly more chic, sophisticated version of us. And if you're a parent, Claire has a toddler son and talks a lot about motherhood and has some of the best non-cheesy, which is important, kids clothing and toy recommendations. They do such a great job with shopping picks in general, like this sports bra that I can't stop thinking about. They used to own a company called Of A Kind that stocked artisan gift items, like think jewelry, office products, home decor. So they're incredibly in the know when it comes to who is making the best of the best, from bath towels to baby gifts to the perfect white t-shirt. So if you're looking to add a new podcast to your lineup, give A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica a try. Again, that's A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, and it's available wherever you're listening to this podcast. And now on to the things. Kick <laughs> I guess us I need off. to announce this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Kick us off with your first thing. My first thing is all about grocery shopping. I got asked this question last week on a Q&A about whether I use a list or not. And it got me thinking about, I don't know, just how people do the basic things of life. <laughs> and it occurred to me that I didn't know. Are you a grocery list person? Do you plan your meals, your groceries? Do you have them delivered? Do you pick them up? Do you get them every night, once a week? Tell me everything. Okay. I am deeply a grocery list person. I keep a list on a note in my phone running of anything that I run out of. And then before I go to the grocery store, I try to plan what I'm going to make for lunch that week. And then usually like I'll cook two dinners a week and then have leftovers from some nights. And so... I always need to have a list. I would feel so lost walking into the grocery store with no list. I usually go once a week and I try to go on a weekday afternoon during the workday so that it's as uncrowded as possible. I usually try to go Monday or Tuesday, like on the early side of the week, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And I am for no good reason vehemently opposed to having my groceries delivered. I need to go because I need to pick out the produce myself. Yeah. And also I've had some bad experiences with grocery delivery in that they'll be out of one key item. And so you get everything you need for the meal, except for the most important thing. And you're like, wow, I can't make this anymore. (laughs) So I've just been burned. So I don't. Yeah, I, I understand. I don't go. I would say I generally enjoy grocery shopping. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Cause some people are like, I hate it more than anything. And other people find it to be delightful. So I I didn't know where you land. I do enjoy it. It depends. I mean, sometimes if I go and it's very crowded, I don't like that. And then sometimes if I'm very busy and I feel stressed and I feel like I would rather be doing 9 million other things then I don't like it. But on the whole, I generally enjoy grocery shopping. Are you a Trader Joe's person? Are you a you're a local superstore person? I'm a Whole Foods. What, I'm a Whole Foods person. Whole, oh, you're a Whole Generally. Foods person. Okay, which brings me to my next question, which is: Do you budget or do you just kind of? No, I don't wing budget. It. I wing it. Okay. As with most things money related, I do not budget. <laughs> yeah, I go to Whole Foods, and then I will go to Food Town, which is the local oh, yes, grocer Foodtown. that you were talking about across the street sometimes to supplement with any name brand items. Like for instance, I cannot abide by off-brand Whole Foods ketchup. Like we're having Heinz or nothing. Oh, yeah. uh, same yeah. with mayonnaise. There's a few things that I I feel really strongly about having 
standard brand name. And so sometimes I'll supplement. And I do like Trader Joe's. We just got one in Williamsburg this year. And for the most part, it's like very blissfully quiet. But for the most part, the only thing I buy at Trader Joe's is frozen food. I'll buy like I'll supplement with like snack stuff. I think that's a good that's a good move there. Well, wait, turning all of these questions back to you. Do you have a list? Do you budget? Where do you go? How often do you go? Do you like it? So I am a list person as well. I do a meal plan and a list just for dinners. I plan each weeknight dinner, probably I'll say six days a week. And then I write a list based on that. And we do budget. I actually find it very fun because the thing about grocery shopping is I feel like it's the easiest way to consistently save money. And Jake keeps track of all of the things we buy on his phone. He calculates them to see how close we're getting to the budget. And then like, if we think we're going to go over, I have to like go put something back or like switch it out. It's actually kind of entertaining. I don't do it all the time, but if I do do it consistently, I save a lot of money because if not, things go off the rails very quickly. Like it's just amazing how fast it adds up where I'm like, oh, I'll try that or I'll get this. And it's just, it gets wild. And I end up wasting things. (laughs) I would truly hate grocery shopping with Jake. If somebody was calculating how much I was spending as it happened, I would... It's a joy. It's not like he's doing it. No, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Just different strokes for different folks. supermarket sweep, but the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. We don't do it all the time, but it's just like if we're trying to save money, then it's it's just an easy way to cut back really quickly. And it's surprising how little you get for what we... Spend. But anyway, we do that. We go to Hannaford's, which is our local grocery store. It's fine. It's not a Wegmans. I'll tell you, I miss my Wegmans mm. dearly. It's not even really as good as a Publix, but it's not too much worse. We used to go to Costco once a month in addition to a weekly grocery trip. And now we have Sam's Club. I don't want to talk about it. It's not the same. It's not oh, wow. the same. The pizza is worse. I hope Sam's not listening. It's I'm sure he's really hurting. It doesn't Walmart own it. Like it's just depressing. Costco was so much better in every single way. Anyway, maybe one day. But uh, I really do enjoy shopping in bulk as well. So <laughs> that's my exciting monthly grocery schedule. I like grocery shopping, I think. I find it to be pretty soothing generally. Were you a supermarket sweep fan? Um, I've watched a few times. I was more a Price is Right fan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I loved when they would just get the hams. It's like ham on ham on ham. Just throw it in the cart. Oh, wow. I don't have a strong memory of that. I'll send you a clip. I swear it's a thing. Someone okay. out there will listen. I believe you. <laughs> it's not my area of expertise. <laughs> All right. Moving on to your thing. Your first thing. Oh, yeah. Summer bucket list. I want to talk about what are the things that you feel like you need to do during the summer to feel like you have achieved summer? Hmm. Achieved summer. This is a thing that I don't generally like crave doing, but I feel like once I do it or once I participate in it, it is officially summer. And that is eating outside and grilling like Mm -hmm. hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill. Kind of a cliche. Like it's never my favorite food, but there's something about it that's just really quintessentially summer. And then in addition to that, I would say reading in a pool somewhere. Oh, yeah. I think those are the two things. In the past, I would have said going to the Outer Banks because we always went in like July, August. But now we go in September, October, which kind of just makes summer feel like it lasts forever. But anyway, what are your things that you are 
trying to do this summer that you have done? Well, I feel like I have a lot of little ones that are kind of summer bucket list items. Hit me. Hit me with the little summer things. Well, so first is seeing fireworks. And I didn't see any fireworks over 4th of July. So I don't know when I'm going to accomplish this one this summer. Are you a fireworks person? Love fireworks. I'm totally (laughs) impressed and bowled over by fireworks. Oh, that's so funny. I hate fireworks. I once saw fireworks from an airplane and it was the coolest experience of my life. You know, that's actually cool because I hate the sound. It's it's like overstimulating. Oh, the sound doesn't bother me. Oh, well. I love fireworks. I hope you get some. I hope so too. Eating a lobster roll is definitely one. I Check. Well, I've had these homemade ones. I gotta tell you, I think that restaurant ones are better. So, but I've already had a restaurant one too. So I'm set either way. Okay. Eating an ice cream cone. Oh, I feel like I eat, Nice. you know, I'll buy ice cream pints during the year, but like having the cone from a place that you drive to is a big one. I did that this past weekend. Soft serve or hard ice cream? Hard ice cream. Mm. Another one that feels so important to me is, you know, that nap you take after a beach day or a pool day, but you've been out in the sun and you like take a nap and you wake up and you don't know where you are, but it's still light out. And then you like go get to have your whole evening that like that nap. Oh yeah. Like you sleep so hard. I feel that way about the post beach pre-dinner getting ready Mm. time where you're like sunburnt and like sandy and then you're fresh and ready for another cocktail. Yeah. It's a good vibe. Yeah. I feel like being in Maine might be one of mine. We used to come to Maine when I was a kid every summer. And so, and now I've kind of like reclaimed that as an adult in recent years. And so I feel like this is also one of my summer bucket list items. The other is eating corn on a cob. Mm. Do you do your hands or do you use the little corn holders? Did you have the ones that looked like little corn? Yes, obviously growing up, I had the (laughs) corn holders that looked like corn. I, in my adult life, I've had woefully few corn holders. I mean, same. Why did those go away? Is it like that when you're a kid, you don't like to touch the corn? I think it was a very 90s thing, but I do think they're kind of coming back on TikTok and on Pinterest. Well, I mean, they're cute. They're, they're cute. I mean, I, there should be more of them. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm doing a great job with summer bucket list items, but I'd like to hear what other people's are in the Facebook group because I want to make sure that I get the most out of the summer, that I squeeze all the juice out of it. Yeah, me too. Always. Tell me your next thing. My next thing is the thing that you seemed unsure about, which is what's something or some things that you have changed your mind about in your life? Maybe I just feel like people want something much bigger. Like I feel like people want to be like, I used to be a secret Republican and now I've re- I've seen the light, <laughs> um, which is not no, the case. No, I don't think it has to be like, or like I used, I used to, be to be a <laughs> closet racist, but now I'm not. I have two, which are both like fairly Okay, you tell me yours. Small. Okay, this will maybe inspire you. So I have two. The first one is very small, which is kimchi. I used to not like kimchi. And now it is one of my favorite foods in the whole world. I could eat it all day long. It's absolutely delicious. I can't believe that there's a time in my life that I didn't like it. I've done a complete 180. Can you identify what about it you didn't like in the past? Well, I mean, it's a strong smell Mm -hmm. for sure. I think that threw me off. I think that I... In general, probably wasn't a huge fan of cabbage. Now, mm-hmm. love cabbage. And I think maybe I just tried a variety that I didn't like because there's different spice levels, different kind of like flavors. And 
I generally love like pickled things though. Sure, so sure. it's kind of weird that I wouldn't, but I just had a really strong reaction to it and was like, okay, not for me in the way that olives just aren't for me and never will be probably. But now I literally eat kimchi like three times a week. It's so good. Okay. Kimchi grilled cheese, kimchi with like just everything. I love it. What's your second one? My second one is true crime podcasts. And this isn't like I used to listen to them all the time and now I don't ever, but I just used to be a lot more into them than I am now. And I just, I feel like maybe they affected my mood more than I was really (laughs) realizing when you're listening to them in the background, as I was all the time, I was listening to too many of them, like a great true crime, like long form podcast series on a road trip or something perfect. Like it'll make the time pass. It's really interesting. But like on a Monday morning, listening to like a story about murder first thing, I just, I don't think it really was doing anything good for me. So I've cut back quite a bit. I still appreciate them, but I do not listen as much at all. Interesting. I wonder what the true crime genre, I wonder if that's true overall with most people, like people like overdosed on them a little bit, or if it's singularly you. I would be really interested to hear what people have to say, because consistently when I look at podcast charts, like the popular true crime podcasts are always at the Mm. top or close to it. Yeah. So I don't exactly see them like, you know, struggling. But my fellow crime docuseries podcast listeners out there, I'd be really, really curious. So I've come up with two things. One is not something I've quite changed my mind about so much as my body has changed its mind about. Um, the first thing is my spice tolerance. Oh, oh. I used to have an unlimited tolerance for spice. I would have eaten fire if there was a way to bottle it. <laughs> like <laughs> I would have aced hot ones. Like would wow. have been fine. And since I've turned 35, my spice tolerance has changed. It's gone down quite a bit. And I noticed it specifically because I used to love the hot salsa that they have at Chipotle. And now Mm. I'm like, oh, it's a little too spicy for me. (laughs) And I've just noticed that certain things that I used to have no problem eating. I'm like, oh, it's too hot. I still have a high spice tolerance, but it is not. I couldn't go up to 10 on hot ones anymore. Oh, wow. I don't even think I could go up to like two. Oh, I like I feel like I used to would have been able to go up to 10. But now I'm like a five, six girly. Is it that you don't like it or no, my body, your body like shuts down? It is that my taste buds. It's not like I'm like shitting myself or anything. It's like my taste buds <laughs> are more sensitive to it where it's like okay. uncomfortable in a way that it never was for me before. Like I used to enjoy See, it. Yeah, that's always what I've like wondered about people who really like spicy things. Like I can handle spice, but it doesn't taste good to me. Like I can appreciate it. It does taste good to me and I crave spicy food. Oh, well, that's kind of sad for you then. It is kind of sad. I mean, I can, it's not like I've gone from a 10 to a two, but I've definitely noticed a change. All right. Well, hopefully maybe it'll change back. Maybe. What's your second? My second one. second thing within a thing. My second thing within a thing is I've talked about this before all over the place. But I do think it merits mentioning again, because I think it's probably the biggest foundational thing that I've changed my mind about. And that is that I did not probably until I was probably until I started this podcast. So let's see, we started in 2018. So I would have been 32. I did not consider myself a creative person. I just I grew up. I was always really good at math. 
And so I think that I internalized, I was good at other things too. I wasn't good at science, but I was good at English and history too. But for some reason, because I was so good at math, like I skipped a year in math, I think I internalized that I was a left-brained person. And I really internalized that you could only be left-brained or right-brained. So by virtue of being good at math, I couldn't be creative. And I, I definitely grew up in a family that I think pushed more towards like formal money-making careers. Like I never considered being an author as a viable career when I was a teenager or a child. And I feel like partially through this podcast and then more so through starting rom-com pods and now having written a book, I've realized that that wasn't true at any point. And I think Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert was like a huge turning point for me as well. I just, I really thought that I wasn't a creative person. And I just, I'd convinced myself of that for no valid reason, even though I don't think that I had like a creative rebirth where I was suddenly found a new well of creativity that I didn't have before. Like, I just didn't think of myself that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, it's kind of interesting because if you ask me like to define what a creative person is or looks like, I don't know. That's a tough definition. Like to sum that up into one sentence in a way that's not like what sort of like the idea that we grew up with, which is like, in my mind, it was like, you're an artist. <laughs> or a <laughs> and, musician. Yeah. Or like a you musician, have a talent, right. which I don't. I, I can't sing. I can't paint. I can't play any instrument. You can write. That's a talent. Yeah, but, but, it, but I yeah. didn't associate that with it. I associated it with kind of these specific talents. I don't know what I thought writing was. Well, I think with writing, it's interesting because it's like there is a practical version of it in the world. Like there is a very traditional like you go work at a newspaper kind of thing or a website or, you know, you or you write like a five, marketing or, or something, a five paragraph formulaic essay for school. That isn't like I wouldn't say that that's an exercise of creativity. Yeah, I don't think I took a creative writing class in high school. I for sure didn't. Yeah, I wish I did. Gosh, could have unlocked a whole a whole thing. I know. But yeah, that's really interesting. Well, let's take another ad break and then get back to some more things. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. For me, one of the most stressful things about making big decisions is that I feel like I can only talk about what to do and how to make the decision so much. I think we can all relate to getting to that point where we feel like we have talked a decision to death with everyone in our lives. And even if we want to keep talking about it, it doesn't necessarily mean everyone around us wants to keep hearing about it too. Especially if you're like me and you're more interested in talking through it than actually receiving any advice. This is why therapy can be so helpful. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and can work with your unique schedule. One thing I loved about therapy was knowing that no matter what was going on in my life or what my week was like, any given week, I would have built-in time to just focus on talking through things I wanted to talk about with no need to worry about judgment or if I was talking too much about something or if I was taking up too much of someone's time. After all, that is exactly what therapy's for. And knowing that it was going to be there for me every week was such a comfort. Let therapy be your map with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash bad on paper today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bad on paper. What's your next thing, Becca? My next thing is success and (laughs) what your definition of that is and if it has changed over time. I love this. I think I can go first. I can tell you why I'm thinking about this too. Yeah. I'm thinking about this a lot because, well, I think my definition of success has evolved a lot over the course of my life. I think when I first graduated college, I thought it would be about climbing a corporate ladder and being the vice president, the president, the CEO of something. And, you know, when I left to go freelance, which would have been about six years ago now, I let go of that. Like, I was like, I don't actually care about that. I don't value that. And then I think success was like money with independence. So making whatever amount of money that would allow me to have financial freedom and to live the lifestyle that I wanted to live while having enough flexibility and not kind of being on somebody's schedule or having to have the corporate politics or hierarchy that you have in a traditional company. And now I've shifted again and I have my first book coming out and I'm I'm kind of struggling because I think, I don't know, I, I guess I wish I had higher minded ideas about what success is, but I feel like right now for me thinking about my book, a lot of success is external to me. It's how other people perceive my work and it's, you know, sales of my work and things that are completely kind of external to myself and out of my control, which I recognize is not good and I don't like, but you know, I... I don't know. I feel like there are some people who are like, I'm creating work for the sake of art. And I'm like, that's not what I'm doing, you know? And I'm just, I'm having a a weird time kind of figuring out what is a healthy success metric in this stage of my career that I'm in. And I guess also I'm talking specifically about career, which has very much always been kind of how I've defined success versus I really respect people who are work to live people and their definition of success is completely divorced from anything having to do with work or career. So I don't know. I'm just interested what your thoughts are because you're also working for yourself and and writing and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would say like a very similar sort of trajectory. (laughs) You know, when I graduated college with a journalism degree, I was very much in the mindset of like, you're probably not going to get a job because that was just how people talked about newspapers and media and everything then. And so when I did, that was success to me, even though I was making like no money. <laughs> that to me was like, oh, I have this this thing I can say like, here is my job title. I work at this place. I meet cool people and do cool things. And that was success. And then much like you, when I went freelance and I started doing more content creation, Instagram stuff, I think I became like very self-conscious that I didn't have this title that everyone understood. And like, not only that, but with the Instagram stuff also like respected and took seriously. So I think then I started to be like, well, I'm just going to make as much money as I can doing this because that will make it feel successful and legitimate to me. And I can not tell people, but I can have that because I don't have this title that everyone just kind of accepts as a real job. (laughs) And then now, I guess I'm kind of trying to unlearn that mindset. And I think for me, like if I'm able to do creative work every day that feels 
interesting and I don't need to share it with everyone immediately. (laughs) And I don't need outside feedback immediately to tell me like, this is good. This is interesting. This is fun. So basically like if I can write every day and have that be satisfying, whether I share it or not, of course I need to share it if I'm going to make money at it. But I think that to me in terms of career is success. Of course, you don't just like let go of the money stuff. (laughs) I'm not implying this is going to happen whatsoever, but what if people hated it? Yeah. I mean, can you still feel that same satisfaction internally if other people hate it? I don't know if I can. I think that's, I mean, that's a a bigger (laughs) problem that needs to be discussed probably off of this podcast, but. (laughs) Well, there's always going to be people that don't like it. So like that is inevitable no matter who you are. I think for me, it very much distills down to, and there's an interesting conversation about this going on the Facebook group right now about Goodreads. And it's like, what score can I live with of people liking or not liking it? Because, you know, when it's averaged and in a star rating, it's like, can I be happy with what I've created if I like it at a 3.5? What about at a three? You know, like, what is the number? And I think like having a metric, because I am still a numbers-driven person, it's like, what level of external reception will leave me to still feel like something has been successful if I like it versus I can see myself totally feeling like a failure at a certain point of critical reception. Well, okay, here's another thing. If you achieve a certain level of success where like you are satisfied with what you've created, the world is satisfied, whatever, you have the four, you have the 3.98, whatever it is, like then the next book, is that going to be the bar? Or is it like, oh no, I need a 4.2. Or if it's, if it's, you know, like, I feel like it will never stop, I guess. (laughs) It won't. And that's why I'm thinking about, you know, what is a healthier metric to success? And I, I guess I can't quite wrap my mind around something that is divorced from external opinion, but I want to. (laughs) I mean, I think I'm working at that every day. It's pretty hard, but I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. I'd love to do a whole episode about this and see what everyone else is thinking and get everyone else's thoughts about what success has looked like to them and how it's changed. This would be a great listener voicemail episode. This is something I'm thinking about a lot. And I would love other people's both opinions for us, but then also, you know, thinking about their own lives. Because I bet in different careers, I can only imagine how many different metrics of success there are. And likewise, you know, hopefully there are many people who are shaking their head and are like, why is your identity so wrapped up in your career and have totally different metrics of success that are related to family or general contentment or something that has nothing to do with work? Yeah, definitely. What is your last thing? My last thing is, what do you subscribe to? I doubt you still subscribe to magazines or the newspaper, but I'd be curious if you do. Do you have recurring like Amazon subscriptions for toiletries or something? I know you have your shampoo and conditioner, right? On subscription. No, I don't subscribe. I don't subscribe to anything physical. Wow. I have lots of content subscriptions, but I do not subscribe to anything physical. It stresses me out. Okay. Huh. See, you are financially savvy. (laughs) That probably saves you money. Even if it is cheaper to have the subscription, I always say no. So I might not be financially savvy. Huh. Okay. Is it just because you travel so much and it's like you won't be able to control when it arrives or? Some of that. My mail is definitely a situation at my apartment. 
I don't have like a doorman building with a lobby where people can leave packages. So things getting left when I'm gone is definitely a huge pain in the butt. But also I think there's something of like, I'll forget about it and then I'll get charged all this money for something that I didn't even want to repurchase. So I think there's some just like caution there of like, yeah, not wanting to sign up in advance. I don't know. I can mm. tell you what content subscriptions I have. I don't know if that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'd want to know. So I subscribe to the New York Times. I have a combined subscription for the New York Times, New York Times cooking and the crossword. And I was paying way too much money for it. And, that, and somebody said, just call and threaten to cancel and they'll give you a way better price. And I did. And now it's like, I don't know. I think it's like oh. eight or nine ninety nine a month. Hot tip. <laughs> Hot tip. Hot tip. So I subscribe to that. I subscribe on an annual basis to my sleep app, which is Sleep Cycle. Hmm. I also recently subscribed to the One Sec app, which you recommended. I currently have it off because I'm on vacation. Yeah. It's changing my life, by the way. I think I've turned a corner wow. and I'm like detoxing or something. Have you noticed I'm I'm online less? Probably not, but I am. I haven't noticed because I feel like you're still posting Instagram stories. Yeah. I just do it like less often. Anyway, I interrupted you. Please go on. On uh, Substack, I subscribe to quite a few things. So I subscribe to, this is not on Substack, but I subscribe to the Script Notes podcast, which is a podcast about screenwriting. And they have all of their archives behind a paywall. And so I subscribe to that. And also just because I like them and want to support them. I subscribe to Kate McKean's writing newsletter, which is about books. It's called Agents and Books. I subscribe to Courtney Mom's newsletter, Before and After the Book Deal. I recently subscribed to podcast guest Leslie Stevens' Morning Person newsletter. And I subscribe to your Substack, Olivia. Thank you. I think those are generally my content subscriptions. Oh, I've been meaning to subscribe. I haven't done it just because I feel like I just haven't been around on Friday mornings. I've been meaning to... Did you see that Alicia Ramos, past podcast guest, relaunch Girls Night In as downtime? I did see that, I, I think. I've been meaning yes. to subscribe to that too because there is content that is subscriber only and I have just been kind of all over the place this summer and I haven't yet, but I, I'm planning to. It sounds like a nice little selection of reads. I think that I turned a corner probably in 2020 when I feel like a lot of creators were in financial duress and I was like, I should pay for things I like. And I, I want to pay for even more, you know, just to support other people the same way that I would want to be supported. But honestly, sometimes I get overwhelmed by having too much email. So I sometimes like toggle between them at any given time. Yeah. But this question makes me think that you are a big physical product subscriber. I would love to hear what you subscribe to. Not too much, but there are a few things that just make my life easier. I have a very exciting subscription on Amazon for battery oh. <laughs> for the recorder for the podcast, which is very handy because I feel like it's always running out at like the most inconvenient times and then I don't have batteries. I have a subscription for cotton rounds, which I use to take off my makeup and use like micellar water. I know that it's bad for the environment. I apologize. I've tried the reusable ones, but it's not for me. And then I also have like my three kind of staple skincare products, Skin Food, Polish Choice, Salicylic Acid, and Micellar Water that are all on subscription. Because I just hate the feeling of running out of a product and just having to go to a drugstore or whatever. What else? Oh, I think I'm going to subscribe to... Have you seen those plug-in blue light things 
that attract like gnats or whatever. And it has like a sticky thing in the back. No. I think it's like Zeno or Zevo or something. Anyway, it has this blue light. It attracts pests like fruit flies, for example. Well, let me tell you, it's disgusting how well this thing works. And I just like knowing that if there's a bug, it's going to go to that thing in the night and die. So uh, I think I'm going to subscribe to the refills of that. And I subscribe to a lot of Substacks, which I won't list here, but some of the ones you mentioned as well. And the New York Times and cooking. And uh, although hot tip, someone did tell me that a lot of local libraries will give you a subscription to New York Times cooking. If you're oh, a that's so, interesting. Worth worth checking that out if you don't if you don't haggle them down on the phone. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So those are some of mine. The last thing I want to talk about was an order an item of podcast business, which is if we should bring back author interviews. So back in the day, whenever we could, we used to have the author of that month's book club pick come on the podcast. And if you'll notice, we've been having less guests in general. And the reason is our guest episodes are far less popular, no matter who the guest is, than our regular episodes when we're just talking. And I don't quite know why that is. I think we brought back guests. We had a few guests on this spring. And I really thought with Bonnie Garmus, who was so delightful, and I loved that interview, I thought because she had been a past podcast book club pick author, it would be really successful. And it did worse than the other episodes that month. And so I don't know. I want to hear what you think, Olivia. It's something that I really enjoyed doing, but it the numbers say that people aren't into it. And so I'm I'm kind of curious for people to talk back to us in the Facebook group and hear more about what they want interview-wise and if they want the authors of the monthly book club pick to come on to talk to us as well. And as a note, we can't always get them. So the ones we can get. Yes. (laughs) I really like author interviews as a listener and as a... Admittedly, I get a little nervous before. So that makes me kind of not like them. But then I'm always like, yeah, I get a little nervous. Just with authors or with everyone? I am... With everyone, honestly, like it's a little bit of like social anxiety where I just, especially on Zoom, like I just get so flustered when it's like you talk at the same time or whatever, which with three people on a Zoom, like is inevitable. And so sometimes I like kind of have anxiety about them before, but during them and then after, I always just feel so like inspired and I just love doing them and I love the result. But I see what you're saying about them performing worse. But then an interesting thing with the Bonnie Garmus interview was that I feel like we got a lot of like, what is the word? Anecdotal <laughs> like responses from people who who said they really liked it and engaged with it and stuff like that. And I wonder if that's the thing to focus on instead of the actual downloads. Like maybe it's the people who are invested. Maybe it's quality, not quantity. Right. Exactly. So... I think that's worth considering. I would enjoy doing them, but I would also love to hear what everyone else thinks and listeners think. Yeah, me too. Talk back to us and tell us what you think about author interviews and if you've been missing them or if you have feedback on what would make them better or more interesting because I would love to talk to the authors of our book club picks, but I I don't want to force anyone to listen to it if they don't want to. Yeah, me too. Okay, what's your obsession? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's get out of this. Let's get into end matter. (laughs) I didn't even say end matter. I was like, tell me your obsession now. (laughs) I have an obsession that I would like to warn you against. Oh, okay. 
And that is birthday cake Oreos. Have you had these? No, but I am a golden Oreos person. And these feel kind of adjacent. Golden Oreos are so good. I won't take golden Oreo slander on this podcast. Birthday cake is a more intense flavor than vanilla. So, So give me your pitch, but I'm skeptical. Okay, so it's the regular chocolate Oreo cookie, but then the icing in the middle, instead of tasting like Oreo icing, tastes exactly like Funfetti frosting. Oh, well, now I'm interested. (laughs) They are both the best and the most addictive thing I have ever tried. Over the weekend, there were a bunch of people up here in Maine when we did the lobster roll-off, and at one point, somebody just like brought out a, a sleeve of these birthday cake Oreos. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, I guess I'll have one. I was like very casual about it. And I was like, what magic is this? Oh, I really want to try them now. (laughs) They're so good. Tell me your obsession because I can see it in this outline and it doesn't immediately make sense to me. So I was trying to think of a product that I really like that I hadn't talked about already. And what I came up with is men's beard dye. And It's exactly what you're thinking, just for men's beard dye. And I like it because I use it to tint my eyebrows with at home. And I used to pay so much money to get my eyebrows waxed and tinted. And like, look, my eyebrows are not that great. And they're very pale. The shape is not good. But I just try to clean them up with like those little NARS strips. And then I use the men's beard dye with a little brush. And they're more defined. They're cleaned up. It saves me like hundreds of hundreds of dollars a year. And it feels very satisfying. I I feel like a little budget wizard (laughs) for a moment of my life. I'm really glad for you. And if I ever grow a beard, I can dye it. Do you ever... hope I don't. (laughs) Do you ever do fun colors? No, of course you don't. No, I've tried the light brown and the blonde colors, if you're wondering. The key is you can't leave it on for too long. But it's like very satisfying. What happens if you leave it on too long? It's just the longer you leave it, the darker it gets. Got it. Anyway, pro tip, go forth, save yourself some money. Thank you. But tell me about what you're reading. Yeah, so I finished The Island of Sea Women by Lisa C. I picked this up because I saw a bunch of people talking about it, primarily Grace, who was raving about it. emphatically recommended this to me because her mom recommended it, I believe. And her mom has great taste in specifically like in historical fiction. It's incredible historical fiction. It's true. This is about two women living on a Korean island. It's called Jeju or Jeju. I apologize if I completely butchered that pronunciation. I learned so much about the history of Korea that I didn't know, like so, so much. And on this island, this is a real thing. The women are known for their diving. They dive for like abalone and octopus and they like do this in freezing temperatures basically anyway there's this whole culture around it it's very interesting so this is about various things that happened on the island it is very very disturbing in parts (laughs) one part in particular which I kind of wasn't prepared for and it's also very sad but it was really beautiful and just a great piece of historical fiction so if you're into that I think you'd really like it I'm dying to read this. I have not been buying books because I already have such a huge pile of books that I need to read. So I've been trying not to purchase any books to add to my problem. But once I kind of get ahead of that pile or clean it out a little, this is like high on my list. 
I'd be interested to see what you think. Grace seemed to think I would like it. Olivia looks I, skeptical. I don't know. I don't know if you would. I don't know. It got a little slow for me in the middle. I won't lie. Okay. And if you don't like historical fiction, it is so like traditionally historical fiction that I feel like at times it's almost like you're reading a history book. Um, there's a great narrative and story in it and a lot of emotion and stuff. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I could go either way. I'd be curious to see what you think. Okay. My instinct is maybe not that you would like it, but I could be wrong. I, maybe I would be wrong. Okay. What did you read? I read Hello, Stranger by Catherine Center as a centerpiece, which is what I'm calling her, her fans. I don't know if they have an official name, but as a new centerpiece. <laughs> This book came out last week, and so I needed to check it out. And I will tell you, I was really underwhelmed by the premise. Reading the back cover copy, I was like, this sounds way too cheesy. I'm not going to like this. But I was like, would follow Catherine Center over a cliff. So like, let's try it. (laughs) Duh, loved it. So the book is called Hello, Stranger, and it's about a portrait painter who ends up having a brain surgery. And as a result of it, has a complication that is face blindness, which I guess face blindness is way more common than one might expect. And so basically it's like, it's that you can see faces, but you can't put the pieces of a face together. Like you, you have facial recognition problems. And so she's a portrait artist, which obviously it kind of rocks her world. But then the same time, she also is uh, falling in love with two different men. Okay. I get it. I get why this premise might not sound good to you, but I just think Catherine Center is phenomenal. It was so, so good. It was so delightful. I've been seeing this everywhere. Yeah, it was really great. I think it's maybe a touch tropier than some of her earlier books, but I still really enjoyed it. Like, I, I thought it was really well done. I thought, like, the plot landed. I didn't mind it. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. I loved it. Another PG-13 romance. Oh, well, continuing your era. Continuing my PG-13 romance era. So highly recommend and recommend it in spite of however the plot summary sounds to you, because I agree it sounded iffy to me, too. (laughs) Well, if neither of those sound good, we have our July book club pick, which is Same Time Next Summer by Annabelle Monaghan. This was picked by all of you, so... You are required to like it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I think everyone will like it. And I'm excited to discuss. Yeah, I think this is such a perfect beach read. So if you are headed on vacation, pick this up and then tune in to our episode next week where we will discuss all about it. You can discuss any of this in the Facebook group with us at Bad on Paper Podcast or on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. And I am on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And... That is all that we have for you. See you next week. Bye.